unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my soul unto thee, O Lord? Do I lift up my soul? again. Good evening. All right. It's good to, good to see you. Good to have you here. I think some of you might be a little bit confused because Ken is supposed to be teaching tonight, but he, uh, of course, him and Anita needed to go to a funeral this week, so they took off today after services, and uh, they're traveling, so we want to remember them in our prayers today and this week as they travel. So he asked me on Thursday night if I would fill in for him. And of course, um, anytime you have an opportunity to do something like this, it's a blessing. So I I wanted to do that. Um, But he told me, apparently, I think he's teaching on Deuteronomy. So if you came in here to listen to a lesson on Deuteronomy, uh, we're going to totally miss that mark. Um, He told me, he said, yeah, just do whatever you want because I guess he didn't want me to mess up his study. So I will be studying or we will be studying Uh, tonight out of Matthew chapter 12. So if you want to go ahead and be turning your Bibles there and uh, we'll do some introductory introductory remarks in just a moment. So I'm going to say I'll lead us in a prayer but before then is there anybody outside of those listed on the bulletin and I've I've got the bulletin here with me that we need to, to remember in prayer. Okay. I'm going to look around just to make sure if you got your hand raised, tell me. Okay. Let's start off with prayer tonight then. Bow your heads, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this time we have to be together tonight. We thank you for the many blessings that you bestow upon us each and every day. We thank you for the rain that's going on right now. Uh, Father, there's just, there's just so many so many positive things that we, can, we should be thankful for and we want to lift you up today and tonight. Father, we want to ask your blessings to be upon this class. We want to ask you to be with each of us as we, we open up your word tonight, study from Matthew chapter 12, and, and uh, hope to learn something there from your will that, that will help us better serve you in the future. Father, we also want to lift up individuals that we are thinking about, those that need you and that need us. So I want to offer up 
Adrian Edge, Marilyn Martin, John David Horn, Tim Floyd, Kathy Davis, Mark Morris, Fonda Britton, and there's so many others, Father, that I know this group that is praying to you tonight is, is thinking about at this very moment, names that they're lifting up to you, and so many that are taking cancer treatments or have lost loved ones, and, and so, Father, we just, we just ask your hand to be upon every, each and every one of those situations, and we're thankful that you understand exactly what those needs are. And Father, we hope that you give us the energy and the wisdom to know exactly how to serve you and to serve them. Father, as we close this prayer, I take you back to our request to bless this class. Of course, we thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 12. I feel like I need to tell you why we're going to be studying out of Matthew chapter 12. Um, because as I was studying this text, I, I started thinking, Aaron, this um, I, I don't know if you're teaching the right group of people this text. Uh, maybe there's not much application for this group of people who are in the auditorium class on Sunday night. I mean, those of you who, who are here on Sunday night are not the Pharisees and the scribes that Jesus is going to be interacting with here in Matthew chapter 12. Your attitudes are, are not like, I feel, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees that we'll be studying in Matthew chapter 12. However, uh, Brandon Elliott and I have been teaching the Wednesday night class at, for the teenagers, and we've been studying the life of Christ. And we finished part one, which is basically we, we, we studied chronologically life's, you know, Christ's life from his birth or before his birth to basically his first year of ministry. And now we're moving into that first and second year of his ministry. And uh, this is one of those lessons. And so when Ken asked me to preach or teach this class, I, I, I was studying this. And I, so I just want to share it with you what I'm studying here. That's first. Second. I told Tommy before I walked down here, I really don't like how spaced out we are. I really don't. I, I, I'm, I'm going to need your help. I'm, I'm going to need you to interact with me a little bit tonight. So please don't, just because you're so far away from me, Kim Farr, please don't let that be a reason for you not to talk to me or to speak up or uh, something like that. So Ralph, I mean, don't, just because you're way over there, please, please, please interact with me a little bit because I'm going to need you tonight. Uh, I'm going to need you to make this maybe uh, a lesson that we can all learn from. And then maybe the, the last question I'll have an introductory, or as an introduction. I want to start with this. Is there a sin that cannot be, or cannot be forgiven? Let me just say it that way. Is there an unpardonable sin? Answer. Yes. What is that unpardonable sin? Blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for speaking up. At least a couple of you have taken that request uh, on, so thank you very much. Blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. Okay. We're going to deal with that subject tonight. We're going to understand clearly what that is uh, as part of what we're going to be discussing I would ask you what that sin is, but I'll do that in just a minute, okay? But let's get to that part of our lesson first, okay? Now, I've got a helper. That helper is Cameron Jumper, 
okay? I chose Cameron Jumper as my helper on purpose because as you heard this morning, he and his family have placed membership with us. So I want you to hear his voice again, and I want you all to know exactly who he is. So he's going to help me read scripture, and we're going to start tonight in Matthew chapter 12. So Cameron, you'll have to turn that mic on. He has the mic over here, the Fred that you already had working on. And I just want you to start, Cameron, by reading Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 24, here at the beginning, okay? Hold up, let Jacqueline sit down. Look, you didn't know he was working, did you, Jacqueline? All right, Matthew chapter 12, everybody follow along with Cameron. I don't have PowerPoint. We're just going to do a classic Bible study here tonight, okay? Matthew 12, Cameron's going to read 22 through 24. Go ahead. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him. And he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. All right. Now, for some of you this may interest you, but I want to set the stage of where Jesus is in his life. Okay, I already told you that we're in his second year of his ministry. And there is, he does three tours of Galilee. Okay, he has just completed his second tour of Galilee. Now, only Luke records that tour in Luke 8, verses 1 through 3. Now, don't turn there, but in Luke 8, verses 1 through 3, it talks about how Jesus and his 12 apostles, he had just chosen them. Jesus and his 12 apostles, plus some women, went around Galilee. Okay, the second tour. If you're chronologically following the life of Christ... You find in Mark chapter 3, verse 20, they have finished that tour, and now they've come home. It says in Mark chapter 3, verse 20, that he came home to a large crowd of people, to the point that he could not even eat, and his family was starting to worry about him. This is the day that Jesus is starting with right here. He's just finished that tour. He's tired. A large group of people are around him. And now we have the Pharisees attacking him, okay? Now, of course, he does this miracle. Now, I had him read these first three verses so we could set the stage for for what actually happens at the start of this day. He does this miracle. It's a three-fold miracle. He casts out a demon. He causes this same man to speak. And he causes this same man to see. So it was an amazing miracle. But the point of this story wasn't necessarily the miracle, but, but the attack that comes on Jesus here. So what was the attack? What were the Pharisees, how were they attacking him here? He heals this man, he casts out this demon, and what did they immediately say? Well, the only way this demon is cast out, I think this was Eubridge that said this, had to be because Beelzebub allowed him to, or he was, he's a servant of Beelzebub. All right. All right, Cameron. We're going to now listen to how Jesus answers this, okay? We're going to read a few verses here because he goes on the defensive first. And he has several arguments, and I'm going to ask you, what, how does he defend himself from this, this accusation made, made by the Pharisees about him? So I want you to listen to Cameron as he reads now verses 25 through verse... Go ahead and read through verse 30, okay? 25 through verse 30. But now as he reads this, I want you to pay attention. How does Jesus defend himself? Because I'm going to ask you to explain it to me 
when Cameron's done, okay? Go ahead, Cameron. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whosoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. All right, Bible scholars, let's think this through. Jesus just accused of casting out a demon by the power of Satan. Okay, They basically say the only way, he must be working for Satan, it's the only way this can happen. And Jesus immediately defends himself with what I have written down as three main arguments. Now you may have more and I'm okay with that because I may have missed something. So how does Jesus defend himself? Somebody give me one. All right, number one, Satan will not cast himself out. He gives this principle at the very beginning. He basically gives this principle of what I say is basically illogical. It's illogical because he literally says a house divided against himself. What does it say? Cannot stand. All right, Pharisees, your argument's illogical, number one. So don't come with me at that one. But he doesn't stop there. He makes another argument. What else does he say? This is what they call that pregnant pause where it's just really silent and everybody's really awkward. I want y'all to know y'all are the reason it's awkward because you're the one not speaking. What's some more arguments that he says? There you go. That's right. She makes a good point. That's the next argument. She says, and, she, and, I'll, and I'll repeat what she says. She goes to verse 27. And, and, and literally what Jesus is saying is your argument's inconsistent. He says, look, if, I, if you say that I'm doing this by the power of Satan, then what are your sons? How are they doing it? Well, they didn't want to say that, right? So, so the, his point is you're being inconsistent. You know, they're... We got, I have disciples doing the same thing, but you're not saying that theirs is by the power of the devil. But yet you are me. So your argument's inconsistent. And then the last one I have here, that, and, and it kind of goes back to some, maybe what JT was referring to. But I have in here that it's impossible. Now the reason why is you go to verse 29. What is he saying in verse 29 when you read that? I can't be doing this by the power of Satan because... I will, I'm having to overcome Satan. Literally, you, you have to tie a man up if you want to take over his house, right? And that's what I'm doing. I'm not supporting Satan. I'm overcoming Satan. I'm overpowering Satan. And so he, he makes this point. He says, yeah, you can, you can say this all day long, that I'm doing this by the power of the devil, but, but your arguments are literally illogical, inconsistent, and it's impossible when you, look at, when you just look at all the facts. Okay? So he defends himself. 
he wakes up after doing this long tour. There's big crowds around him. He does this good deed, casts out this demon, helps the man speak and see, and he immediately has to defend himself. And this is, this is the day in our Lord, folks. This is, this is a typical day in our Lord's life. But then he goes on the offensive. Now, this is where we're going to get into a little bit of the subject that I, that I discussed about the unpardonable sin. Okay? And this is really why I wanted to study this tonight. We're going to go past this, and we're going to study a lot more depending on time. But, but I had an aha moment with, with this text and, and I want to share that aha moment with you. And, and, and you are, many of you are, 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 know the Bible more than I, but, but I'm, it may help some of you as well with this aha moment that, that I had. So Cameron, if you don't mind, I'm now going to ask you to read verses 31 through verse 32. So now Jesus has just defended himself, but now he's fixing to go on the offensive with these folks. All right. So Cameron, read 31 and 32 for everybody. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever, whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in his age or in the age to come. Okay. Now, I've, I've, I've always heard the definition of blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. As a, as a young man, I asked the question because I've always known this verse existed. And I've, all, and I've heard the canned answer, but I, I want to hear it from you. What is the sin of blaspheming against the Holy Spirit? What is it? Is that not an unforgiven sin? Oh. Unforgiven sin. All right. You're saying it's an unforgiven sin. And that's the answer, Miss Marilyn, I've always heard, is it's the sin not asked to be forgiven of. Now, does anybody want to expound on that a little bit? Or do you have another definition of what the sin of or blaspheming the Holy Spirit is? Thank you, Ronnie. That's another thing. And Ronnie, I, 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 and neither one of you, by the way, no matter what I say next, I want y'all to know neither one of you are wrong, okay? I want you to know that. Ronnie says it's, it's a person who literally says rejects the Holy Spirit, right? Just literally rejects God, rejects the Holy Spirit, doesn't want them to be a part of it, you know, their life. And that is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He's right. Okay. She says, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, are you not blaspheming God? Now, I, I want to, since you brought that up, I, I want to touch on that because this is one of my aha moments, okay? Do, does anybody in here besides me think it's odd that, you, that he says, Jesus says, you can blaspheme me and you'll be forgiven? Did y'all read that? He says, look, you can blaspheme me all day long. You can be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you won't be. Now that took me by surprise. Now every time I studied up until, you know, recently in my 
I never connected that with this sin. So, we need to put this into context then. Jesus is on the offensive. Jesus is telling them, yes, you are literally telling me that the good that I'm doing is from the devil. I'm telling you that your arguments are wrong. Obviously, you're wrong. But now let me tell you something else you need to know. You can talk bad about me. You can blaspheme me. And you'll be for, you can be forgiven. Can be forgiven. But you need to understand, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you won't be. All right. Now let's, let's answer the question. Because I think everybody's right. I just want to put it into context. How do we make sense of the fact that they could blaspheme Jesus and be forgiven, but they can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit? How do we make sense of that? Okay. JT says the Holy Spirit was from whom the word was given. Okay. Do you want to expand on that just a little bit more for me? He says if you reject the word, if you reject the word from the Holy Spirit, there is no hope. Okay. I'm keep walking up, but I need to be mindful of my guests. Sorry. I keep wanting to get closer to y'all. Yes, Tom. That's right. He used the Apostle Paul maybe as a person who, as an example of someone who would who blasphemed Jesus but was able to, because he persecuted his disciples, but was able to be forgiven. You're exactly right, Tom. Here was my aha moment. And JT, thanks for that. And everybody else, you're right as well. But here's my aha moment in the context. The Old Testament was delivered to the Jews. People under the old law could reject the old law. But eventually, if they would accept Jesus, they could be forgiven. Those right here in this instance, they could reject Jesus and be forgiven because Christ's word was still incomplete but what he's telling you and what he's telling them is that the Holy Spirit's coming he's going to complete the gospel he's going to complete the Bible he's going to complete my word and my will and if you reject him there's nobody else coming if you reject as Ronnie says as JT says as Miss Marilyn says if you reject the Holy Spirit, which means you're rejecting the will of God. You don't have a hope. Because there's nobody else coming to give us anything else. That's why he says, you can reject me and be forgiven. Because several people rejected Christ, didn't they? But yet they ended up believing in Christ later, after he was resurrected, after they learned more from, from the Holy Spirit and God's will. But... If we decide, no, I'm not going to accept it, you don't have a hope. You don't have hope. 
Now, I know that seems like a simple aha moment, but it was a big one for me. It makes sense now. JT quotes Hebrews 10, right? Is that what you said? 10, 26. Hey, turn with me real quick because we do have a little time. Turn with me with me. Turn with me to John chapter 16. John 16. Let me make sure I got the right verses before I get over there. Yeah, John 16. You all know these verses, but I'm just going to give you why. Why Jesus said what he said and, and why I feel we can, we can make this application to what he says here. In John 16, okay, we're going to read about four verses, and two of them at a time. So we'll start in verse 7. We'll read 7 and 8 first. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he come, comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, if you go to verses 13 and 14, he says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. See the context here? That's why Jesus says you can blaspheme me. You can speak evil against me. But you better not speak evil against the Holy Spirit. Because there's no other plan, as JT said, there's no other word coming. All right. okay with with I, I just I can only put the context in reference to how you can say the same how he was saying you can blaspheme me but you can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit and that's what I'm making my judgments based off of it's just the context all right let's move on let's go now Cameron to verses 33 through verse 37 okay now he goes to his second offensive all right he defended himself He's made one offensive, and now he's going to his second point, okay? He's going to make offensive-wise or, or, you know, proactively here. So let's, let's read verses 33 through 37. Cameron, you tired yet, by the way? You're doing a great job. All right, keep it going then. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasures brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words 
you will be condemned. Okay, somebody summarize this one for me. What is he telling them? What is he telling them? People can know who we are, what we are, who we serve by the things we say and do. Thank you very much. Who was saying something over here? I was saying On the day of judgment, we're going to answer for the things we say and do. You're spot on. Thank you all very much, by the way, for speaking up. Thank you. And you all are both right. In context here, I think, and what I wanna, how I want to put it. Uh, Y'all were exactly right too, but how I want to put it is, look, he first says, you can reject me, but you better, better not reject God's word, and you better fill your heart with good. You don't need to just, you, you, need, to, you need to understand that, that you need to fill your heart with the good things of God's word and his will. Now, I, I will say, just based off of context, this is a minor thing, and I, I, I do want to just bring it up just because of the detail of study and the, and the, and the Bible students that I have here. I, I'm curious if whether or not 33, if he's referring to himself or if he's referring to the Pharisees. Like, there's a part of me that thinks he's telling them, hey, y'all, either declare that I'm good or that I'm bad. But if you're, if you're looking at my deeds, you can't say that I'm bad. I mean, I, I kind of feel like he's saying that in verse 33, but he could be saying, look, <laughs> he could be talking to them because he does make reference to them in verse 34. Look, you guys, you can act like you're good. You can think you're good. But at the end of the day, your actions and your words, they are evil. And that only happens because your heart is not right. So either way you want to look at that, I, I, I mean, I, I'm fine. Um, but I'm just based off of my studies and, and diving deep into this, I, 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 I kind of wonder if he's talking about himself in verse 33 or them. It doesn't matter. Either which way, the principle is obvious. And the principle is this. Get your heart right. Because that's what's your words, your actions is going to come from is, is your heart, okay? Now, he doesn't stop there. They, excuse me, they don't stop there. The Pharisees, they, 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 tried to, they tried to attack him by saying that he was doing this by the power of the devil. He overcomes that very quickly, obviously. But now they decide, that, well, we'll try to get him another way. So in verse 38, and I'm not going to ask Cameron to read this. We're going to scan kind of the next few verses here, and then I'm going to ask Cameron to read in just a minute in verse 43. But in verse 38... Some scribes and Pharisees, they, they come to him and they, they answer him. You know, they've listened to all of his, what he's said so far, and they, they kind of respond to his critique of them by saying, okay, why don't you show us a sign then? We, we need a sign, Lord. And y'all can read Jesus' answer there. He, he says, an evil and adulterous generation seek a sign, but no sign will be given to you except that, that of the prophet Jonah. And I've got verse 40 underlined. He says, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. This will be your sign. And he, he kind of tells them, and they don't understand this, right? But, but, he's, but he's, he's laying the foundation for what's going to happen a year or so from now. 
And he says, look, this will be your sign when you, you'll know it because I will have been in the tomb three days and then when I'm not there anymore, you'll know that you should have listened to me. <laughs> now, he then talks about how the men of Nineveh is going to judge them because they at least, you know, received Jonah and the queen of Sheba is going to judge them because, because she came to try to listen to Solomon. And what his point there is in those few verses after that, he's basically saying, look, you have somebody here in your midst. He's talking about himself. So much better than Jonah, so much better than Solomon, and yet you won't listen to me. And yet those people, they listen to Jonah and Solomon. And so you better believe they're going to be the ones judging you. Then I had another aha moment in my studies, okay? This is, this is the reason why I'm sharing this with you. Because I had another aha moment when I got to verse 43. So, Cameron, back to you. If you will read verses 43 through verse 45 for us, please. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the, that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. All right. Context first. Then, maybe some application for us, okay? Context first. He is talking to the Jews. <laughs> He's told them, you better receive me. <laughs> you need to listen to me. He then tells them, you need to get your heart right. And then he tells them, if you don't get your heart right, and he tells them, basically, you're not going to. This is what's going to happen. And what he literally says here, and let's, let's just put this in perspective and let's summarize what Cameron read for us, which is, and what Jesus says. He says, look, if a demon leaves the heart of a person, it's going to go around trying to find somebody else or someplace else to go, but if it can't, guess where it's going to come back? It's going to come back to where it knows it had a house before. And if he sees that house, in other words, your heart, still empty. He's not only going to come back there, he's going to invite friends, it's going to be a big party, and it's going to be a lot worse. And he says, that's what it's going to be like for you Jews. You are not only rejecting me, I know you're going to reject the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get your heart right, and for that reason, the generations to come for you are going to be a lot worse than it is even right now. That's context. But now let's make application. How many people do you know who are fighting demons? I mean, I, you know, I stand before you, and I, I'm putting this in figurative language. I'm standing before you. I fight demons seems right and we want them to leave us we want that evil to get away from us and we do our best 
and we and we literally we pray and we try to get those demons out of our heart because we know that's where our actions and our words come from and we try to get them out of our hearts but guess what we don't fill our hearts with somebody say it what do we not do we don't fill it with God's truth with God's will and so guess what happens that demon comes back and it's worse than it was the first time I tried to let that demon go. Because I wouldn't simply fill my heart with the good. And he literally tells you, he says, Jews, this is how it's going to be for you and your generation. But he's telling every single one of us, look, I know you've got demons. I know you want them to leave. When you get them out of your heart, fill it with my word. So when that demon comes back, guess what they won't find? It won't be empty, and there won't be any place for them. But he gives a warning. Please heed to this warning. If you don't fill your heart, it's going to be so much worse the second time. It's going to be so much worse the third time. To the point to where you may get to be the person Ronnie's been trying to describe. This was an aha moment for me. Now I want to put this whole thing into context. I've been trying to do that. We may end a few minutes early here, and I'm sure y'all be okay. Y'all please fellowship, okay? What I gathered from my studies over the last couple of days in this was... and. and let me go back to how I started. I realize you're not the Pharisees. <laughs> Your hearts are not their hearts. Trust me. You're here on a Sunday night. You are good folks. But there's lessons in here we can learn. One. I know you don't reject this word. Okay, I, I know that you're here because you love it and you want to study it. But could there be portions that we don't want to necessarily take on? Could there be bits and pieces that we feel, yeah, Jesus, I'm with, God, I'm with you until you start talking about this. And, and, and this, I, I don't know. I want to tell you, there's no other word coming. This is it. This is God's will. Don't reject it. Don't reject any piece of it. Receive it all. Point number one. Point number two, receive it into your heart and fill your heart such that your actions, as Ken tried to preach on this morning and others try to, that your actions will show that you've received this word. But there's some people in here tonight, I can guarantee you there's got to be at least one or two because I, I can only imagine. I, I know I'm preaching to myself, so I'm one. To where there's, there's, there's... When I get rid of whatever that evil is or whatever that thing I know is holding me back, make sure whenever it, it goes, you fill it with good and you fill it with God's Word. Because if you don't, he guarantees you it's coming back looking for a place. And if it's not, if there's a place there for it, 
it's going to be worse off. So that's our Bible lesson tonight. Is there any questions or any comments or any concerns that we want to talk about? Cameron, I want to thank you for taking care of us tonight. All right? Really appreciate that. Uh, thank you all for being here. I love, I love being able to teach in this class for a lot of different reasons, but mostly because you guys are awesome. And I love y'all. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, as we close now, we just want to thank you for all the stories in the Bible and, and, and all the different lessons that come from them. And Father, we're so, so thankful that we've, we've had this privilege to be here with, together to study your word. And uh, just, just help us continue to study it, continue to let it fill our hearts and fill our Fill our minds, and, and Father, help us glorify you in, in everything that we do. And that's, that's our prayer uh, tonight as we leave this place. We want to give you thanks, and we want to ask your hand to be upon us. And it's in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you all very much.